Welcome to Central Valley Politics Podcast. I'm Shannon Stevens, your host, and we have a special guest today. We have Mayor Gary Soyseth visiting us. He is up for re-election in the next year, and so we're very happy to talk to him. We have a couple of student editors and a new student employee of Gary's, so I'm going to have them introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Kristen Diaz. I'm an editor for The Signal. Hi, I'm Jesus Alvarado, and I'm also an editor for The Signal. I'm Nathan Straubinger. I am Gary's Director of Communications for his 2018 campaign. And I'm Gary Soyseth. I'm the mayor of Turlock, uh, the 22nd mayor that was elected in 2014, and I'm up for re-election in 2018. Fantastic. Welcome. All right, so we're going to ask a series of questions of the mayor and have a conversation, and uh, Kristen is going to get us started today. All right. So uh, first of all, I want to say thank you for coming and talking with us today and taking the time out of your day to answer our questions. My first question is, how would you continue your efforts with your public policy scholarship in the future? Absolutely. So thanks for bringing this up. Uh, one of the first things I, I put out there when I was running for election in 2014 was that um, I wanted to give as much of myself to the city of Turlock as I can, uh, to include the fact that I wasn't going to get paid. Uh, but I didn't want to cede all control of that stipend, so I said it's going to go over to the college. And so we set up a public policy scholarship award here where the first recipient actually was going to be tackling a public policy issue uh, having to do with transportation. And so she retooled all the transportation networks uh, with our bus routes, and then that's how now students ride free on, on the bus systems. And I was just told last night that over 2,000 rode between January and June of this last year, so I think that that's uh, phenomenal. It's great. Uh, the second one was bridging the gap between the downtown um, uh, businesses and also the students here. I wanted to see, uh, and actually Nathan can probably speak to it because he was the recipient, uh, but I wanted to see a bigger uh, uh, bridge between the downtown and student population. I want them to feel welcomed in Turlock and have them have ownership of the city of Turlock just as much as any other resident, uh, whether they're here two, three, four, five years. It doesn't matter to me. I want them to feel welcomed. Uh, and so finally, this next iteration, I'm very excited about it. Um, I'm working with uh, Dean Twidio and his team, and we're going to be launching a uh, public art uh, mural festival, basically, where we're going to be taking a bunch of cinder block walls and different areas that people want to donate, and we're going to be doing a lot of public art and murals throughout the community, and that'll be launched uh, in the spring and summer of this next year. All right, thank you. Mm -hmm. I think going back to that, um, the you partnering up with Do uh, Dean Tweedio with this uh, mural festival. Um, my question, because I've heard of this, and my question has always been, um, for this mural festival, um, is there any type of art that you plan in implementing that kind of reflects the diversity that Stan State and the surrounding communities offer to the Central Valley? And if so, how? Absolutely. So. The public art uh, that we are envisioning isn't just colors on a wall. Mm -hmm. We're looking to celebrate our cultural history, um, mm -hmm. uh, the diversity of, of the Central Valley, and also Turlock specifically. Right. Now that can include um, a, a mural that's uh, paying homage to the railroad, because mm -hmm. the railroad's key to our economy was back 100 years ago and is still today. But also our cultural diversity and our, and our ethnic diversity here. Mm -hmm. And so we're really looking for ideas, and we really want to see um, the art speak to the community mm -hmm. and to celebrate these aspects of the community. So uh, we're going to be looking for more ideas, and, and again, it's not just going to be art on a wall. So. Right. Um, kind of following up with yeah. that question, um, how do you intend to kind of recruit the artists mm -hmm. for these walls? Do you intend to look for them here at Stan State mm -hmm. or certain departments, ethnic studies departments, the art department, or... 
How's that going to work? So it's still evolving, and I had one meeting with uh, the dean, and then he had actually brought, which I loved, he brought uh, professors from all different areas of um, whether it be mass communication or whether it be um, you know cultural history, just to kind of have all their input and have a bunch of brains around the table to see how that looks. And uh, he's going to be getting back to me, and we're going to be kind of brainstorming that over the next month or two. And so we'll have more information on that later on. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. So one of your goals coming into your mayorship was to focus on the water mm -hmm. situation we have here in Turlock. Mm -hmm. And in your State of the City address in March of this year, you stated that water rates would need to rise to invest in the wellness of our city's water supply. So my question to you is, uh, what does the investment you described entail for the future of our city to address the concerns of the water rates for the public? Absolutely. And we only have an hour, I think. Is that what you said? Uh, so actually, this is an appropriate question because last night we just had a great um, uh, vote that actually went through, four, four to zero, where we had a Prop 218 process to raise water rates. Um, and it was not an easy task. It was not something that we enjoyed doing. No one likes to raise water rates. But we needed to do it to complete this surface water project, which is something that I pledged to do back in 2014. Um, because in 2014, we were solely dependent on groundwater as is the case today. And so I came in and within six months, I struck a deal with the Turlock Irrigation District for nine billion gallons of drinking water per year for 50 years for the communities of Turlock and Ceres, and hopefully the communities of Keys and Denaire and all these other smaller communities around us. Um, so people say, well, why is that important? Why is it important to get another source of water? Well, we have uh, groundwater, but it's going away. Uh, the arsenic and nitrate le levels that are concentrated, we can't be drinking that anymore. We have expensive wellhead treatment when these things hit a certain level. And so we need another source. And by going towards the river in those wet years, like, the, like last year, uh, we can ease off of pumping. But in those dry years, because we've eased off, that water really replenished down in the ground, we can go back to it like a bank account. And so we'll have this two, uh, two sources of water that will keep us stable and reliable. And that's just not important just for residences. Uh, when we have thousands of acres that we've set aside for industrial development, um, specifically food processing, these are water-intensive uh, uh, industries. And so we need to tell them, come to Turlock. We have a lot of good infrastructure laid out, but also we have a reliable source of water for you, which means they will come to Turlock, they'll open their doors, and that means jobs for the Turlock residents. And so that's why it's so so key. It's not just about raising your water rates by $20, which is pretty much what the case is on average for households. It's about investing in our economy here in Turlock. Can I ask you a follow-up question there? So you're talking, this is obviously a vital issue that we mm -hmm. talked about a lot when you were here campaigning, yep. uh, what was that, two and a half years ago, yeah. three years yeah. ago? <laughs> All right. So, so how is that balancing out with your growth initiatives? How do mm -hmm. you how do you decide if we're going to have more residential, if we're going to have more industrial, if we're going to have more commercial, mm -hmm. and how does water come into play when you're making those decisions? Because you're right, food processing is very water intensive. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that's a great question. Um, and I think that a lot of people don't realize that we have a very robust, very clear general plan as to how we are growing. And as mayor, I pledged when back in 2014, and I will do it again in 18, uh, where residences will grow and where they will be uh, developed and where they won't. Um, industry, uh, industrial buildings and houses do not mix. They do not do well. So we have the, the great fortune of having 99 be a great buffer. So we have uh, the west side versus um, you have on east side residential development on this side of the, the highway. And so we'll keep uh, growing in that industrial complex, but we're not going to be jumping over uh, like Taylor Road, for example, is a hard border that we will not grow, grow past that. Same with residences on the, on the west side 99. That's been rumors because people want to go over there, but really it needs 
needs to be set aside and we need to have the discipline to keep that industrial um, and so that it does play into effect of when what types of industries we bring in um, you look at Patterson for example they have uh, brought in Amazon that's not a good fit for us right that takes up a lot of land and it's it's not necessarily uh, water intensive we have the water resources and we have the the um, infrastructure to handle other things like blue diamond Hillmar cheese or uh, other industries that that are involved uh, in agriculture thank you mm -hmm. Well, I guess my question yeah. would be, um, because I read an article early February, I think, mm -hmm. where the Turlock Journal um, kind of spoke about your new initiative. I think it's called the Million Kinds of Actness, mm -hmm. or Million Kinds... Million Acts of Kindness. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what basically inspired you to bring mm -hmm. that here to Turlock? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So um, a good friend of mine, Mayor Tate of Anaheim, actually, this was his idea. And he talked about um, kindness and freedom. And he actually uh, was a man that actually became friends with the Dalai Lama, of mm -hmm. all people. Um, I'm not sure how that uh, relationship got sparked, but um, he was very much inspired by him about talking about kindness in, mm -hmm. in communities. And kindness, uh, which I love because I talked to Mayor Tate, um, who's a practicing Christian, um, was not threatened by talking about kindness because it came from the Dalai Lama or mm -hmm. some other religion. Kindness is kind of transcends all religions and cultures, something that we should all all be uh, before, right? Mm -hmm. And so he started instilling that in his um, in his community, in his schools, in his after school programs. And so I started brainstorming uh, here in Turlock how what we could do. And the school district obviously doesn't fall under me. Uh, I'm not the superintendent, mm -hmm. but our after school program, which uh, which honestly has thousands of kids that participate. Um, uh, throughout the years, um, we have a captive audience to talk to them about kindness and what they can do to make their community a better place. And so uh, a lot of times these kids are more at-risk youth, um, that maybe uh, they're there um, because both parents are working, so they're at risk for uh, not having supervision in certain times. So this is a great time to form uh, their thought process and talk to, to them about how they can make their community a kinder, uh, better place. Um, kind of like a follow-up to mm -hmm. that same question. Um, would you say that your initiative, this one that we're talking about, is inclusive in the sense that it promotes a culture around the LGBTQ plus community, the communities of color, and mm -hmm. other marginalized communities here in the Central Valley? Yeah, so I don't know if the Million Acts of Kindness specifically speaks to those communities, mm -hmm. but what we try and do is uh, adopt civility across the board in other initiatives as well. Um, about a year ago, um, I was at the mayor's, um, actually it's very appropriate I'm talking about this because Mayor Lee just passed mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, yesterday or the day before. Um, he talked about mayors uh, that would make a pledge for anti-discrimination, right? Mm -hmm. So they would not discriminate against the LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. And so um, I signed that pledge happily. Um, we have staff members. We have people in our community uh, that identify in this population. I think mm -hmm. it was very important to make that stand to say that um, as a mayor, um, we celebrate that. It's mm -hmm. not something to, um, to shy away from. It's that we're very happy that we are a diverse community, that this community is inclusive, uh, and this community um, accepts anyone from different races, religions, cultures, um, or whatever it might be. Right. Um, I guess where I'm going mm -hmm. towards this question is, like, specifically, how is that being promoted? Mm -hmm. um, because I feel like me, as a person of color mm -hmm. and also a person from the LGBTQ plus community, Oftentimes, I do encounter individuals here in Torlock mm -hmm. who, you know, um, have other beliefs, and obviously, we have to respect other people's mm -hmm. beliefs. Um, but it's ironic because when they, you know, find out that either you're a person of color or you're from the other community, um, you're not respected. And mm -hmm. I've encountered, unfortunately, some of those people here in Torlock. Yeah. So I want to, I want to know how active this um, 
act is, mm-hmm. I guess? It's a great question. Uh, listen, it's not lost on me mm-hmm. that we are a community, uh, a city with um, a person uh, that goes to school here mm-hmm. that uh, was very heavily involved in the Charlottesville um, um, acts, and I don't really want to give him uh, airtime with his name. Mm-hmm. It's also not lost on me that we're the community that produced Colin Kaepernick, who's mm-hmm. making uh, strong stances um, on these issues right. uh, in the in the uh, um, throughout the country and throughout the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm not here to say what's right and wrong. It's right. just that's not the conversation I'm having. But the fact that Turlock is here and has the opportunity to have a conversation is something that is not lost on me. Mm-hmm. And that's what we started a year ago when we had the, our inclusivity summit. Um, Dr. Sheely talked about it. We had people come around the table that were from different um, religions, different cultures, different um, organizations, NAACP, um, uh, the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, different organizations. And we all came around and brainstormed along with city staff what we could do. And it started with a conversation. Mm-hmm. And I will admit there's not a lot uh, that spurred from that other than the fact that we want to have more conversations and see what we can do. And Dr. John has done a great job of saying we want to continue this conversation. Mm-hmm. And the next one's going to be in January, actually, at the Carnegie Art Center. And we're purposely moving it off of campus um, because it's not just a campus initiative. This is also a citywide initiative. And so we're going to be um, hosting that at the Carnegie and talking about what we can do. Um, as a community to uh, make people of color, of different groups, uh, feel more included and, and safer in our community. Thank you. Gary, great job. Uh, yeah. I have a couple of questions that I think are related. So mm-hmm. uh, it was really cool to hear you talk about Mayor Tate and Mayor Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, may he rest in peace. Mm-hmm. And um, it, when you started here, when you first came to my class in political communication, yeah. when we were talking to you here in the studio, um, you were pretty fresh-faced and, and new and excited. I'm old and haggard and run now, now. <laughs> Trust me. Well, let's not push it. Let's not push it. But, um, but I would like to hear you talk at least just briefly about how your perspective has changed about being of service in this way. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you've taken yeah. on a pretty serious service role for our community. Yeah. Um, and I want to know how that feels to you now um, and things like your growing relationship with other leading mayors in the country sounds mm-hmm. good, but I'm yeah. sure there are also some, some tough things like yeah. managing a, a disparate city council and that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. could you address that a little bit? Oh, where to begin? I feel like I should kick Nathan off the couch so I can lay down and start <laughs> doing my psychoanalysis of myself. Um, no, it's been, um, it, being mayor is the most humbling experience um, that I could ever uh, dream of, of, um, of having. Um, it's, been, it's been great, but there's a lot of ups and downs, like you said. Um, and you learn a lot about yourself. Um, you look at things in a different way. Um, I do a lot of ride-alongs with um, our police and firefighters, and, uh, and you know, <laughs> what they deal with day in and day out, how they go from one issue to another, and they do it so professionally, um, just floors me. Um, I've been on calls with them uh, where we're going to a motel and they don't know what they're gonna encounter, but it's a, a lifeless baby on the ground that's uh, got into the drugs that the mother who was passed out on the bed um, uh, didn't realize the toddler was in, and, and that toddler died right there. And they have to shift gears from that then to go to another fire or go to uh, a speeder or whatever it might be. Um, it's also not lost to me that um, there's lots of ups and downs for them. Um, these firefighters, uh, they showed me a video, uh, we highlighted it, where there was a big rig accident on 99 and they had to go um, extricate this child who the wheel had literally crushed him, but he was folded almost like a sandwich, uh, but it was just an inch away to where he was still fine. And so they had to use the jaws of life and, and get him out. That same day, um, our fire department had to respond to a toddler that was at the bottom of a pool and didn't make it. And these men, and we have an all-male firefighter uh, squad right now, um, shift gears rapidly. 
Um, our police officers are, are, are off, often the first responders and they see it right away. And they compartmentalize it really well. They're professionals. Um, but as mayor, I have seen it firsthand with them, but then also hear the stories and get the reports. And I'm just amazed at what they do day in and day out for this community. Um, so that's taught me a lot about, you know, woe is me issues, right? Someone's, you know, bashing me on a blog or someone's uh, saying things that aren't true. Um, it pales in comparison to what they deal with. It, it absolutely does. Um, our first responders do a, a great job. Um, similarly, I think you look at things that, um, like I said, when you're at the moment and you're having someone yell at you at the dais telling you you're corrupt, you're bought and paid for, um, even as you're trying to give as much as you can to the city, um, you got to go back to that place and start thinking about the, the selfless acts of, of, our, of our staff. And so I really have learned to compartmentalize myself. And that's because I've been watching our police and, and firefighters do it for so long. And so um, I've, I've learned a lot in that regard. Thank you. Um, can I ask you to expand yeah. on that just a little bit for mm -hmm. me? Um, in relation to uh, our student body mm -hmm. and them getting involved in this sort of thing, I, I think I don't think it's controversial to say that the past year, the political climate, and it's not just the political mm -hmm. climate, is divisive that mm -hmm. bleeds through into our lives, into our mm -hmm. classrooms, into our communities. Um, so that sometimes it's hard to remember that there are actual tragedies occurring all around us all the time yeah. um, and how important it is to have people step up to the plate like you have done, mm. um, regardless, listeners, of whether you are for or against uh, Gary Soyseth's policies, mm -hmm. um, you have absolutely stepped up to the plate mm. and made some important decisions, I think, to serve our community. How, how can we get the students, not just at this table, but students all around understand that they are our future and that it is worth it to get involved. Yeah. Well, I think there's someone sitting to the left of me who uh, embodies that in the fact that I'm running for re-election. I didn't go for a high-paid, high um, I don't pay you a lot, uh, high-paid uh, <laughs> communications director from Sacramento or D.C. or someone that does this professionally. Um, I know Nate. Uh, we've worked together uh, for a while because he is a recipient of the scholarship. And I said, um, I trust you. You're you can take this campaign places it needs to go. Like you might be like what you're nineteen twenty now I think 20, or something. Like twenty three. Okay, twenty three. Yeah, sure. Um, but he's definitely someone that that has that talent, and this this campus is is just filled with talented uh, young people, and that that are going to be doing great things in this community. And I'm trying to keep as many of them in Turlock as I can, and so um, I want them to get involved. And I think by showing that I trust someone like Nate to to head something so important as communicating with my my community um, should show that that I do trust Stanislaus State students and think that they're they are definitely the future. Um, I do think you hit on something earlier, if if I may, about uh, national politics trickling down uh, to local. Um, it is you know I've been critical uh, of of certain national figures that have said things that I, I disagree with. Um, because it's frustrating for me to go into an after-school program, which is what I do, and I speak to young kids, and to see fearful young people that think that they're going to have Turlock PD coming and knocking the door and taking their parents to a different country that they don't even know. Mexico's not in where they, they know. They've lived here their whole lives. And to see that fear is um, it's not a good thing. It's a hard thing as a mayor. And so I'm lucky that I get to stress the fact that our police department is not immigration control. This is not what we do. Um, we enforce laws. We protect all people here. I don't care if you've been here uh, for a hundred years or your family's been here for a hundred years or you're a new refugee family that's been here for six months. You are protected under these laws and we will make sure that you are safe. And so 
that's part of why um, I speak to these classes. We have a civic engagement uh, uh, kind of crash course for four hours. We did it once, we're doing it again in January, where we bring in refugee families to City Hall, and we show City Hall to be a place where you can uh, come get services. We can, your water bill, you don't know what's going on with it? Come talk to us. Your police, police officer, he's right here. Your police chief, he's gonna protect you. Um, I'm your mayor. If you need anything, you pick up your phone and call. So we've really tried to make uh, City Hall open to all residents. I don't care if you're just here passing through or if you're, you've been here for a long time. Thank you, that yeah. was inspiring, yeah. actually, thank you. Um, and before Kristen asks her next question, uh, Nathan, do you wanna talk at all about your experience working with the mayor and what it's like to step into this new role as communication director? Yeah, I mean, honestly, um, it really is, uh, I would say, humbling for myself as well. I'm coming into a position like this. Um, first, I'm getting connected with Gary um, and receiving the Public Policy Award was something that uh, myself and um, my partner, uh, Logan Martinez, who um, has helped me uh, spearhead this initiative to getting the students to downtown. Um, and it, and it's, it's really cool how, you know, a student like myself can get involved and even uh, get into um, a city level where um, now I can work uh, pretty pretty directly with Gary and um, being trusted and um, just having the ability to you know give an outside perspective of maybe what the students here at Stanislaus see going on in the community or um, whether expanding into new and innovative ways to um, gather you know information from the community and seeing how they feel about certain things. So I mean overall it's been you know just an incredible experience and. Um, I'm really excited uh, for what 2018 has for us. That's wonderful. Thank you. And you heard that, students. Talk to Nate if you want to have a direct <laughs> line to the mayor. Now you know where to go. <laughs> yeah. So my next question is, in your overall goal to repair our city's roads, what challenges have you experienced that you plan to address and improve on should you be reelected? Re oh, the challenges with roads. Um, so as you all know, I'm uh, the vice mayor, or the vice mayor, vice uh, chair of the Stanislaus Council of Governments, which is basically um, uh, Modesto gets three people, county each gets five, and then each city gets one a representative to come together as a body. In fact, we have a meeting tonight, and we uh, deal with transportation issues primarily. And so Measure L, which was the countywide half-cent sales tax, was something that came up. And I was heavily critical of our citywide-only initiative that was on the ballot in 2014 uh, for various reasons, predominantly because um, I feel like roads and the road network needs to be tackled at a regional level, at the county level, especially because the way the system works in the state of California is uh, you can leverage matching funds, dollar for dollar, or whatever it might be. And so I felt that that was important. So. I didn't realize it that uh, passing the tax was going to be the easy part of uh, road reconstruction. Once we have the funds, now we're trying to accumulate it and now we're trying to get these projects off the ground. And so the first project will be West Main uh, and then it'll be East Avenue and these major corridors. That's the strategy that Turlock laid out that we were going to do the most heavily trafficked, heavily used arteries and corridors that we have. But a non-measurable funded uh, project, Folk Earth and Golden State, uh, which we just completed, highlights some of the challenges uh, with road construction. Um, you look at uh, the Folk Earth Road and Golden State Interchange, um, we were dealing with upwards of eight utilities. You had the railroad, you had all these different individuals and different actors, plus you have contractors, subcontractors. You have all these different elements, not to mention literally the element of weather. So you have all these things coming together and uh, it doesn't always go smoothly, right? Or it goes a little longer. But I assure you, you know, we worked as hard as we could to get that thing open. And 
and I think the frustrating part um, that I talk about is that um, the Tuesday that we allocated the money, that we said, yes, let's go forward with this project, that following, in that week, that following Friday, I believe it was, um, a car was T-boned uh, where two young, uh, young uh, children, four years old and, and one was a toddler, uh, were critically injured. Um, that's because we didn't have protected left-hand turn lanes, which was the point, one of the points of this project. And so people get frustrated, it's delayed, why is it an extra two weeks? And, uh, and I get frustrated too, trust me. But at the end of the day, we were really trying to work as hard as we can to make it a safe, efficient intersection as quickly as possible. And, uh, and now it's open, and it is exactly that. It's safe, it's efficient, uh, the railroad crossing is as smooth as it can be. Uh, but again, I, I don't say this flippantly, but um, if someone can come up with a process that um, repairs roads while allowing everyone to still use those roads and not be inconvenienced, I'm all ears. I would love to hear that. I'm not being sarcastic, but I do appreciate the fact that um, you know we're going to do everything we can to make sure all businesses and residences know what roads are getting repaired when, and we will try to mitigate as many negative uh, um, consequences to those businesses and residences when we do those projects. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You heard that, public policy students. Time, <laughs> time for a new proposal for the mayor. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I guess, well, I ran out of questions, so I have to make up one. I was, Go for it, yeah. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> since you're running for re-election this coming 2018, are there new initiatives that you are um, going to tackle, new ones? Uh, are you still going to remain some of them? Or what? what what's the difference between... Mm -hmm. The, you right now versus you in the future in 2018? Absolutely. So one of the things we talked about, and Nate actually uh, can attest to this, is um, we got together and said, you know, do I change my tagline? Mm -hmm. You know, before it was clear vision, bold leadership, right? Mm -hmm. um, do I change it to something else like fuzzy vision and not as bold leadership? <laughs> or, you know, whatever it was. Uh, but in reality, it, it still fits because I still do have a very clear vision of where the city needs to go. And a lot of it's building on the last, now it's three years, of, of proposals. Um, it took six months to get a water deal like we talked about with Kristen. Uh, but we need to see that through. And we're going to be breaking ground in 2018. And we need to make sure that we get that water uh, into our pipes by 2022. Mm -hmm. So I'll through. Measure L, again, uh, passing the road tax uh, actually kind of looks like the easy part, um, to be honest. Um, it's the execution, making sure we get these roads paved as quickly mm -hmm. as possible, as efficiently as possible, mm -hmm. is something that we need to do. Um, but similarly, um, you know, you look at um, our public safety, um, um, our police officers and firefighters. I pledged in 2014 to bring them back up to pre-2007 standards. Um, they took massive cuts, 9% cuts when the recession hit. Um, and we did, we restored that. And they, and they did get an, a, a modest pay increase this time around. Um, but that's not nearly enough. That's something that we need to explore. We need to figure out how we're going to find the revenue to make sure that we bring them up to standards that are similar to other neighboring communities. Um, so the work's still still there. It's not it's not done. Um, and and sometimes people want things to happen overnight. I would love to staff a ladder truck overnight, and there's reasons why that has taken a little bit longer. I would love to get um, every road paved immediately once Measure L funds were passed, but. It's about execution now. Now it's about making sure we execute uh, properly and get these things these done. It's done. Thank you. Yeah. That was also my last question. Ah. Just <laughs> where your focus is going mm -hmm. to be in your next campaign mm -hmm. and where you see our city basically turning our attention to and focusing on. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think it's still the fundamental issues of roads, water, and infrastructure. But I think that, um, Jesus, you, you hit on something that I – 
readily admit that I wasn't uh, as focused on in the campaign, which is the idea of um, improving our social infrastructure, mm -hmm. um, making sure that we are a community of cohesion, mm -hmm. um, that we are uh, unified in our, in our acceptance of different cultures mm -hmm. and different ideologies and different beliefs, um, and also um, that we celebrate who we are as, as a community and as a country. Um, one of the things that I, I launched was the Thousand Flags Initiative, right? Uh, a, a Marine whose flag was uh, torn down and burned, um, that hit home for him. And as someone that spent four years in Afghanistan, uh, embedded with our men and women in the uh, military, um, you know, that flag means a lot. Mm -hmm. That flag is what drapes your coffin when you go with the honor ramp ceremony um, for your final passage home. These are very serious things, and this flag means a lot to a lot of people in this community. So when we could spark um, an initiative to encourage patriotism, encourage love of country, um, why not? Why didn't we do it earlier, right? And, uh, you know, we, we hit the thousand flag mark, and I talked to veterans, um, my Uncle Alvin specifically, a Korean War vet, he's still here, and he's heavily involved in VFW. Um, and he said he's proud of me about the roads and water, but he said he's most proud about that initiative that we launched. And so that, that means a lot. Similarly, you go down countryside and you see us um, with banners for our veterans, or excuse me, our currently uh, serving military personnel. And these are young, young kids, 18, 19 year old, like uh, men and women that have, have served or are serving in the Air Force or the Army and, or the Marines. And so they're up there as a banner with their face and their name and their branch because we want to say that we're proud of them for what they've done. So um, there were 13 polls. We didn't know if we'd fill them up, and now we have over 22. Uh, and there's a waiting list that keeps growing. So it just shows the patriotism and the love of country of this, of this city. And so we're going to build on that in the next couple of years as well. Thank you. Um, kind of yeah. following off of that uh, comment slash question, mm -hmm. would you say that um, inclusivity and welcoming of other ideas is part of patriotism or just raising the flag? No, absolutely. I think that that's what our country is founded on. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, going back to some of the rhetoric I see at the national level um, and even trickling down to the local level, um, I don't believe that that's what our founders uh, would like to see. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's what this country is about. I think that this um, country is about welcoming uh, our Syrian refugees. We'll have over 450 families from Afghanistan, Syria, a couple others, coming to Stanislaus County because we have a long history of us Syrian mm -hmm. refugees coming to specifically Turlock and, uh, and welcoming them and, and embracing them. Um, one of the communities that has embraced them the most is the Christian uh, evangelical community has embraced them. What needs do you have? How can we get you uh, furniture? What can you do? And a lot of these people are not of the Christian faith. They're, they're obviously, they're Muslim predominantly. And so that's what is, uh, that's what makes this country great. And that's what America's about. And that's what that flag represents. It's not just a piece of cloth. Mm -hmm. For me, uh, that's why I was so excited about doing this Thousand Flags Initiative is because mm -hmm. for me, this flag represents all that's good in this country. And so I think that that's something we should rally around. Thank you. Excellent. And thanks for clarifying that. I know whenever we're dealing mm -hmm. with symbolic issues, it mm -hmm. can be confusing, as, mm -hmm. as we've talked about with Kaepernick in the past, Correct. who I believe is, is doing something very righteous, mm -hmm. not trying to hurt anyone, just trying to ask for help. But whenever you're dealing with the flag, people mm -hmm. can take it the wrong way. So thank you for clarifying mm -hmm. what your mission is with that project. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and then I have a I have a couple of city council questions for you. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, as as you know, the the city council coverage has been a, a little bit harsh mm -hmm. about things happening there. And so my question is two part. Uh, one thing I would like to hear from you is is 
first of all, explain to our students what a city manager does. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then if you can tell us why it is so difficult to fill that post here, mm -hmm. um, what went wrong that mm -hmm. the first search committees and um, outside help didn't make that happen. Um, and then the second thing I want to talk to you is just more about managing city council. So we can come back to that. Absolutely. If you'd like to just start with the city manager. Yeah, we'll do a civics 101 quick lesson uh, that you. we are, City of Turlock <laughs> is a uh, weak mayor system. Right, uh, so I try not to be as weak as that that sounds, but it, it really what it means is that um, bureaucrats or or professionals are the ones that are, are in management roles, specifically city manager uh, role, and so uh, all the directors, everyone reports up to the city manager, but the council uh, controls policy direction and controls two uh, employees, which is the city manager and the city attorney. They're at will employees that the council uh, says yay or nay to. And so this last round, um, our city manager uh, uh, stepped down and we have an interim and we went through a process and we went through and we had uh, applicants from over 15 states and we had uh, over 40 applicants uh, for, with various degrees of background and uh, smaller cities. Maybe the city manager uh, individual wanted to move up or maybe there's someone that wanted to move in a different area so they came to Trollox. So we had a wide range and we narrowed it down um, but at the end of the day the council which is the ones after we had panels and business panels and different people interviewing these top candidates um, the council exercised this right to say this this isn't uh, the recruitment that we want we want a wider net um, nothing against the people that applied but we want to cast a wider net and see what other talent can come in and this is not unusual uh, in fact, our city just south of us, Atwater, they're going through this. Um, and we actually did this with our fire chief. Uh, we went through a whole recruitment process where we, at the end of the day, said there's not necessarily a candidate in here uh, at this time that we feel we want to uh, go with, so we're going to you know, open up the, the search. And that's when we got Chief Toloni, who's from Connecticut. And he came from the East Coast with a very different style, uh, very different uh, perspective, and it, it's worked out great. And so the council... Can, should never feel that we are um, scared to throw out a $13,000 recruitment process because this is a multi-million dollar decision, right? This is a person that the last city manager made over $300,000 with salary and benefits. This person is making multi-million dollar decisions day in and day out. We need to take it very seriously. And so we did our, our responsibility as a, as a council to say, no, we want to cast a wider net. And so we have asked for requests for qualifications from recruiters that'll be uh, due by December 22nd. And the first week of January, we'll be meeting together to figure out what our next scenario, what recruitment we're gonna do, uh, what the process will be. Thank you, and is, is Chief Toloni still your interim? He is, Chief Toloni. How's he holding up with all that work? He's good, he said uh, he's learned a lot about water. We had our water rate <laughs> increase yesterday, so he's learned a lot about it. Um, he's a great manager. He is someone that um, has a raw talent when it comes to just looking at things and making sure that tasks are on on uh, on time and asking the right questions. Um, you know, one scenario is the fact that um, we actually for Golden State and Fulkerth, uh, it was the the contractors were pushing us actually to go um, open it up after Thanksgiving on the 28th for various reasons. And uh, this was on a Tuesday before the the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And, uh, and he and I and uh, the engineer sat down and we went over, okay, what are the tasks? What is mission critical? What are the one things that we need to accomplish to get this thing open before Thanksgiving? And it's that raw leadership that I think is what uh, the city of Trollock needs right now. He's itching to get back as a fire uh, chief. Uh, he lives and breathes it, but he's been doing a great job and he's exactly what City Hall needed right now. That's really good to hear. And mm -hmm. hopefully, hopefully we can find a Tolone-like person I'm hoping. for yeah. our city manager job. Yeah.
right, and so my other city council related question, um, when you came in, there were also two newcomers, mm -hmm. right? Mr. Jacobs and Mr. Scare. Yes, correct? Uh, uh, Mr. Jacob and uh, um, Bill Dehart actually was older. Uh, was he, he was a holdover, he had won re-election. Right. And then uh, Mr. Scare won two years later. Okay, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That was two years. Thank yeah, you. Oh, yeah, yikes. Political prom students, please edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so having these new folks in the city council and you being there, how, how's that going? How's the mentorship going with mm -hmm. folks? Um, how is it getting people up to speed in these new positions? Yeah. Is the is the mix part of the problem down there? What's what's going on? Well, I wouldn't even qualify it as a problem. Mm -hmm. um, I think that we have different personalities and we have different uh, vantage points. And uh, Councilman Scare actually specifically um, brings a fresh perspective that uh, I think is much needed on the city council. And uh, he will readily admit that there's some topics he has no clue about or had no clue about. Right, water being one of them. And if you looked at the tape from last night, him talking about um, water rate increases and how much it hurt him and how he's on a fixed income as well, but the need for this project, this need for this $278 million project and why we need to increase rates, um, you would think that he'd been in the water field for years. I mean, because he did his homework, he does his homework. And so, um, candidly, he was, um, you know, as we have more senior council members, they're more uh, on more committees and more assignments and they take more on. Um, and then as mayor specifically, it doesn't matter if you're senior or not, you specific mayor responsibilities of being on disaster councils or whatever it might be. But um, it was just right to, to allocate and bring him back on to some, some more boards. And so he's actually serving still as alternates on a lot of those, which is great because you have to stay informed, but you're not always going to the meetings. You're not always having to cast the vote. You have someone else to, to guide you. Uh, but also council, council member uh, Jacob as well, um, you know, wanted more responsibility. And so specifically with the county level and then uh, council member Dehart um, on surface water as well. Like he's definitely someone that is uh, very vested into this project. It's something that he had uh, been talking about for years. Um, people have been talking about this for 30 years. And so reallocating those was the right thing to do. And it's just neat to see uh, people come in so green, myself included. And, uh, Kind of get worn in, and and you get you figure out okay, this is how things work, and you start to become a specialist in your area. That's great to hear. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm big fan of all three men, so I'm, yeah, I, I yeah. was really actually happy to see their responsibilities shifting, and and I hope we yeah. get to see more of that. They're, Absolutely, they're doing good service. Yep. Also, do we have any more questions for <laughs> for the fabulous Gary Soyseth today? Um, I don't think so. I feel like I covered all my questions and you answered them very appropriately. So I want to thank you for that. Thanks. Well, if I was in a, like an elementary school class, I'd say blue is my favorite color. <laughs> I don't have a uh, mansion that I live in and I don't drive in a limo. So those are the three things I always have to, the questions that are always asked. Those are, those are good questions. Great questions, Those yes. are good yeah. questions. Uh, but, but on a serious note, is yeah. there anything that we didn't talk to you about that you really think it's important to get out there? Yeah. What do we need to know that yeah. we didn't think to ask you? I think that one thing I want to leave with is that um, that a lot of times we look at um, public officials um, uh, as robots, as people that uh, can take all the stones that you throw at them, and and legally we're we're supposed to, right? Once you become a politician or a public figure, uh, you can't be slandered because you're up there. The courts have ruled; they can say whatever they want. Um, but I think that the community needs to realize that uh, we're still humans and we're still trying as hard as we can and we still want to do the right thing even when um, you might disagree with us maybe uh, you don't like a decision I made or or the timing or things aren't quick enough or they're too quick or whatever it might be um, you know at the end of the day 
it still does hurt. It still does. Uh, it is still that human factor of, of someone coming up and lambasting you. Um, but for me, um, one of the ways I cope with it is just to, to make sure that I, I surround myself with people that uh, talk me through it and make sure that my moral compass is on the right direction and that uh, every morning I can get up and look in that mirror and be okay with it. Uh, be okay. Well, sometimes I look a little haggard, like I said, <laughs> but that I can... Uh, I, I can live with the decisions I've made and know that my motives were pure, that my motives were there for the city of Turlock and not myself or anybody else. Uh, and so, you know, as long as that stays the focus, um, I'm good. But like I said, sometimes people think that politicians are a little or robotic and, and uh, our feelings are checked at the door. And some some politicians are robotic and they used to <laughs> think their feelings are checked at the door. But mine definitely aren't. And so um, my heart is here for the city of Turlock. Um, I want to do one more term because I definitely want to see these projects through and I want to see Turlock um, continue to be the best city in the entire Central Valley. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. uh, and I also want to thank, again, Jesus Alvarado from The Signal and Kristen Diaz from The Signal for joining us. Uh, Nathan Straubinger for, uh, well, now he's working for the mayor. Yeah, he also yeah. works for The Signal, so we're lucky. We get to take all, all the Nathan talent. Um, but again, thank you, Gary, for coming here and talking with us. Mm -hmm. It's so it's so important for us to all be able to hear what you're saying and for our students especially, I think, to see what you're doing, how it works, and we are always grateful for your time. Absolutely. Anytime. Thanks also to Austin Montaro-Moore, my producer, to KCSS 91.9 FM, and to The Signal, csusignal.com, the student newspaper here at Stan State. This has been our final edition of Central Valley Politics podcast for the year 2017. I'm your host, Dr. Shannon Stevens, wishing you a happy new year.